five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. In today's episode, I am bringing you a kidney warrior story. Now there's always something you can learn from someone's story, something that can bring inspiration and hope. My guest today from Texas, USA is kidney advocate, ambassador and podcast host, Jonathan Trailer. Jonathan was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure in 2019. He went on to having in-center hemodialysis, then progressed to having home dialysis and in 2020, he received a kidney transplant. Jonathan shares the lessons he has learned during his kidney warrior journey. Hi and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior, the podcast. How are you doing today, Jonathan? I'm doing well, Dee. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm really excited about the interview today. And this interview actually is a first because you are the first person that has interviewed me that I am now interviewing. So this is a a first on the podcast. For those new to the podcast and new to Jonathan, Jonathan is a podcast host as well and has a podcast called Hope with Jonathan. And we will talk a bit more about that later. But yes, Jonathan has interviewed me and now I'm interviewing Jonathan. Yes, that was an amazing experience and an awesome interview. And uh, we also had a Kyle from a Kidney Warrior merch on there as well. So. Oh, yeah. Can't forget about Kyle. Shout out to Kyle. Yeah. But Shout yeah. out to my buddy Kyle up there in <laughs> Toronto, Canada. But yeah, I just wanted to to say that, Jonathan, you are one of the most humble and amazing people that I've had the pleasure to meet. And it really is an honor to be interviewing today and to be able to share your story because As I've said on the podcast many times before, I really believe that people's lived experience is so powerful. And so I really believe that there's so many people that can be helped and encouraged. And as in your title of your podcast, Hope, they can receive hope by hearing your story today. So I'm going to kick off with my first question. And my first question is, How did your kidney warrior journey begin and how were you diagnosed? Well, Dee, leading up to my emergency kidney failure that happened on July 8th of 2019, I was having some problems with uh, urinary tract infections. And uh, those urinary tract infections would happen sporadically around uh, like every six months I would have one. And uh, they were pretty severe. Uh, it would be to the point that I would have a lot of pain and uh, the urination would be the color of of blood, uh, you know, and it was a very, very, uh, very serious, you know, urinary tract infections. And, you know, looking back, it, it, the strangest thing was when they would run labs and stuff, nobody ever mentioned kidney disease to me. They always said, you know, you have a, a urinary tract infection. Here's the antibiotics and uh, you need to go home and, and rest and uh, you'll be fine. Uh, but, you know, they, they never mentioned kidney disease or anything like that. And then uh, I had a really bad urinary tract infection, I believe, in 2017. And they actually had told me that I only had one kidney functioning at the time. And mm-hmm. um, that was when they, you know, kind of told me, hey, uh, we think that you're, you know, in the kidney disease, uh, you, you're probably around uh, stage three. Uh, and that kind of seems like a common theme with kidney disease. A lot of people find out that they're, uh, you know, battling kidney disease around stage three, it seems like. 
uh, at least over here, I, you know, I've interviewed a lot of patients and uh, most of them say, you know, they found out around stage three. So it seems to be kind of a common theme. Uh, but still, uh, D, I, I went on and then about, you know, a little over about a year and a half later, I ended up in the emergency room on July 8th of 2019. It was a, a life altering, head spinning uh, scene out of your favorite uh, medical television show type of experience. Literally, like I was having uh, a lot of symptoms and a lot of uh, what I thought was flu symptoms. And uh, I had no strength at all, chronic fatigue for days. I mean, just couldn't get out of the bed. And, um, you know, I noticed I wasn't going to the bathroom, but I didn't think anything of it. I just thought that I was sick and I just kept sleeping and sleeping. And uh, I couldn't keep anything down. I had real extreme nausea. And uh, my wife was just begging me to go to the emergency room. And, you know, I kept being a stubborn uh, husband and saying, no, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be OK. I'm, I'm just fighting the flu. I'm going to be OK. And, um, you know, she, she just kept persisting that I needed to get out of bed and I needed to get moving and, you know, or we needed to go to the emergency room. And um, I went to try to get out of bed and I literally just fell into the floor. Like I had just no strength whatsoever, just fell on the floor. And uh, my son, my teenage son at the time, he was 17. He had to come in the room with my wife, uh, assist me to get back in the bed. And um, at that point in time that I knew something was really severely wrong. And uh, I made it ultimately I tried to uh, go to the bathroom. And, uh, you know, I noticed I still could not urinate. And uh, I knew then that, you know, something was really, really bad wrong at that point. And uh, I noticed my breathing was off. I started uh, all of a sudden I just started breathing really heavily as if I had uh, uh, ran a, a marathon. Like I was just really out of breath and uh, my heart was palpitating out of my chest. It was just beating in this really strange rhythm. And uh, we called 911, uh, which is the emergency uh, phone number here in the United States. And uh, we, uh, you know, ambulance came and uh, they quickly got me to the uh, to the local hospital here. And, um, you know, they were kind of moving around a little slowly once we got there. And uh, but once they ran the blood work and found out that my kidneys had failed, they were moving around like crazy, like really fast and quickly. And they knew that, you know, time was. Uh, of the essence and they had to move quickly uh, because my kidneys were completely failed. And, um, you know, I was right at that moment, I was stage five ESRD and, and uh, they were really nervous. So they stuck me in a helicopter and they, they flighted me to uh, San Antonio, Texas, which is about an hour drive. I got there in probably 20 minutes by helicopter. And uh, once I got there, just a little bit of a backstory. I'm actually uh, have a fear of heights. And so uh, when they said <laughs> helicopter, I was, I was a bit, bit nervous, but you know, uh, it was like I was riding on a cloud all the way there. I had no uh, anxiety at all. It was like, God had just given me complete peace at that moment. And uh, I was able to handle the ride in the helicopter. But once I made it to the hospital, I just still remember when they were wheeling me in, uh, I heard the uh, ER physician, he said, grab the crash cart. Wow. And uh, from that point, I blacked out. That was it. And uh, I woke up three days later on a dialysis machine. I had already been on the machine for three days. I was wow. intubated with tubes, hoses, and lines and and my hands had been actually strapped to the bed because I had been trying to pull the tubes and the hoses, I guess, while I was in my, my sleep or slumber. And, you know, that they kind of had me, uh, I guess, in a medically induced, uh, like kind of a coma like state, uh, to keep me from, uh, from doing all that. Cause I was just really giving them a fight. Wow. And, um, yeah, when I came to, it was, a it was really, uh, I can't, I can't explain it, but it was a frightening experience because I had no idea, you know, that they were going to intubate me and all that. So imagine, you know, you wake up with a tube down your throat and yes. you want to start talking to people and you want to try to communicate and you can't. 
And so it's, uh, it was a very uh, traumatic and uh, they had, uh, it, it had gotten back to me that my potassium had reached a nine, uh, which in the States, you know, a nine, I, uh, it's, it's a pretty high score yes. of off the charts, uh, you know, potassium. And, uh, they had already taken off like 30 pounds of fluid. Wow. And, yeah. And so, uh, I woke up on the, on that, uh, dialysis machine. Um, it was kind of a larger dialysis machine, I guess, that they use in an emergency situation when they need to do like, uh, longer, uh, sessions and, uh, things like that. Cause they had to pull off, you know, a lot of fluid as quick as they could, mm-hmm. uh, to help save my life. But, uh, yeah, uh, D, it was a, a very traumatic experience and ultimately a, a two-week stay there in the hospital. I moved out of the ICU probably after about four days, and then uh, they got me in just a, a, a standard room to uh, continue with dialysis in, in hospital. And, um, you know, and I was there for like two weeks until I ultimately uh, left there to do uh, dialysis in center. and so. I did in center dialysis for probably around 10 months. And then uh, I actually progressed uh, to do uh, home hemodialysis for around three or four months before uh, ultimately uh, getting a gift of life of transplant. So, wow. So, rewinding back, that is quite a traumatic start to your kidney warrior journey. I mean, that must have been a real shock to yourself and to your family. I mean, when you came round and realized what was happening and started to see and understand the seriousness of your condition, I mean, what was going through your mind at that point? How were you feeling? How did you start to come to terms with it? It was frightening. I mean, I was like a deer in headlights. Just to let you know, I had no prior education on kidney disease or dialysis or transplant. I had no idea about any of it, I had no education on it. And so it was tough. And, you know, thankfully, I had a very strong support and supportive uh, family that was there for me. And, uh, you know, we believe in the power of prayer. So they were definitely praying for me. And, but, you know, uh, the support from my family was uh, very helpful because I was in a state of complete shock. I mean, just like, wow, like what happened to me? Because literally, I mean, I went from the emergency room to uh, in a helicopter, then to another hospital and then woke up with all these tubes, lines and hoses in me. And, you know, so, yeah, it was a, a head spinning, uh, you know, uh, definitely a life altering situation. So it was uh, frightening. But uh, around the, probably the uh, fourth day that uh, I had to do a lot of quick acceptance, I had to, I had to really start accepting what was going on and, and accepting it quickly if I wanted to uh, survive. So you said that you felt that you had to accept it quickly. Why do you feel that you had to do it that way? Well... They were talking to me about a lot of changes that I was going to have to make. I mean, they immediately started talking with me about uh, my diet, um, started talking to me about the effects of kidney failure that, you know, your heart can start failing you as well if you don't take care of your heart and uh, things like that. And they were talking about just different uh, side effects of having the kidney failure. You know, your your muscles can waste away. and all type of different medical terms and things were being thrown at me. And I was like, you know, I've got to definitely make some changes because I'm not going to be around if, if I don't. And I knew I had to, like I said, I just had to make some changes and, and accept what was going on so that I could, you know, it was like, you know, I had to deal with the fact that I was in kidney failure. And then I had to say, okay, what do I need to do next to get better and, and heal and, and figure out what the next step is so that I can be around for my family and, and things like that? Because I, you know, I, at some point while I was there, I wasn't sure I was going to even walk out of that hospital. And uh, it was it was so scary and traumatic that I just I had to start accepting things quickly and 
uh, with all the terms that they were throwing at me and, and different, uh, you know, things that they were talking about, you got to follow the renal diet. You, you got to exercise to keep your heart in good shape and all of these different things that they were talking to me about. I just, I knew I had to uh, accept what had happened to me to move on and, and to, you know, move on to heal and figure out what the next step was for uh, long-term. And, um, I knew it involved with dialysis and uh, believe it or not, the, the word transplant didn't come up until I was about three months in center. So, right. yeah. So what were the changes that you felt that you needed to make? Well, first of all, I started with diet. Um, <laughs> prior to uh, kidney failure, I was a guy that was uh, eating a lot of pizza and cheeseburgers and fast food. And, uh, just, I was eating a lot of junk and things that were not good for me. Definitely were not on the renal diet. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I did everything I wanted to do in life. I, I ate what I wanted and, and did what I wanted. I was always, uh, a big, strong guy that could uh, do whatever I wanted and lift whatever I wanted. And, Everybody always called on me to help them uh, pick up things and lift heavy things because I was this big, strong guy, but I was always overweight and uh, I was always eating just bad foods that weren't really you know, good for me. And uh, ultimately, I was also type two diabetic and uh, I had hypertension. And uh, those are the top two leading causes, of course, of uh, chronic kidney disease. So uh, I wasn't managing those very well. Uh, I hadn't been going to the doctors and things like that, like I should have uh, in the years past. And uh, I had a bit of a white coat syndrome uh, where it, it, just going to the doctor caused me anxiety. I was always just scared of uh, doctors and things like that. But you now the, the major changes that I made were following a renal diet. Uh, I, I knew I had to adapt to it. I knew I had to cut out a lot of things that were going to be bad for me. And uh, I gave up, uh, you know, milk and, and cheese. And I just, I gave it all up like cold turkey because I knew I had to make some life altering changes right then and there if I wanted to survive and to be around for my family. So uh, I, I promised my family that I, I would adapt to the renal diet and, and uh, my family helped me. And uh, believe it or not, D, we went uh, into a grocery store and spent like three or four hours just walking up and down the aisles and looking at labels and reading materials and uh, all on what I could have and what I couldn't have. And uh, it was amazing to find out what the foods that I was eating, how bad and terrible they were for me. So it was an educational experience, most definitely. Having that support and help is such a blessing and so important. And taking that time to really make those changes, as you said, taking the time to read the labels. And on the surface, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't eat this, I can't eat that. But as you rightly said, it's about your quality of life, it's about having life, it's about being there for your family, it's about getting your health back and it is a small sacrifice in comparison because it really is a life and death issue. And, you know, I can definitely relate to making those lifestyle changes. And one of the things that I gave up was red meat. And, you know, I really do like certain dishes to eat and it was a real sacrifice. And sometimes when I smell you know, certain dishes, I'm like, oh, you know, but yeah. I'm looking at the bigger picture. I want to be here for my family. I want to be as healthy as possible. And yeah, it's so important and makes such a difference to your quality of life. Yeah. So you mentioned about going on to dialysis and being hemo and then home hemo. Did you have a choice of what type of dialysis that you went on? So did you choose hemo or was that what you were placed on? Well, when you're in an emergency situation, you really have no choice but to have a catheter put in uh, into your chest, the central line that they put uh, into your chest. You know, it runs down near your heart. And, uh, you know, I, I basically woke up with that already in me. 
you know, and they had been already had me on hemodialysis. So like I said, I had no prior education on um, other styles of dialysis. Uh, you know, there's peritoneal dialysis that many people do. So I wasn't even aware of that choice. The hospital had already put me on that. So I just right. stayed, I stayed with that. And uh, then, you know, uh, eventually once I got into my center, my local center here, they, uh, they started talking to me about getting a fistula. And uh, I got the fistula put in, uh, it's in my left arm on my left wrist here. And, uh, you know, and then uh, after, you know, some months of doing that, they, they had came to me and said, hey, you know, we think you'd be a good candidate to switch over to uh, home hemo. And um, I think I was starting to get on their nerves, D, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I started telling them how to run me on the machine because I had, asked so many questions and done so much research on dialysis and things like that, because I wanted to know. And, you know, and it's a little bit of their fault too, because they were telling me every, every question I had, they would answer it. And so the more educated I got on the machine, I was telling them like, Hey, you need to turn this down or turn this level down or, you know, or turn me off completely because I don't feel well. And um, so they got to a point where like this guy, he doesn't need to be in center. He needs to be doing this at home. I have an expression that you have to be your own health manager. So you were clearly very engaged in your care there. And then that led to you moving on to home hemodialysis. So how was the process of moving on to home hemodialysis? And what were the benefits of home hemo compared to in center? Sure. Um, home hemodialysis was liberating for me. Um, it helped liberate my schedule. You know, I could do dialysis on my terms. And um, I felt like that I was getting a little depressed by doing the, the dialysis in center because I was locked into a schedule. You know, uh, it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And, uh, you know, I feel like, man, you know, if I'm going to do dialysis, I, I'd like to do it on my terms and uh, when I want to do it. And so basically, you know, it was a great fit for me because it liberated me and it, it gave me back my Saturdays because I would do dialysis, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, versus, uh, you know, doing them on the weekends. And the, the weekend became my days off of dialysis on my prescription, I could choose two days uh, where I didn't have to do dialysis. And so I chose Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, you know, it really liberated me. But also the great thing for me was that with the prescription that I had for home uh, hemo, my running time on the machine was a lot uh, shorter. Uh, you know, in center, I was looking at about four or four and a half hours. And uh, my treatment time at home uh, during the week was around two and a half to three hours. And so they're, you know, a little bit shorter uh, running time. And uh, even though I had to do more treatments, uh, they wanted me to do at least five a week. Um, it, it liberated me because I could do it at nighttime when, you know, we were sitting around watching TV, things like that. And that's really what I, what we would do. We would set up the machine and uh, maybe watch a movie or something like that while I was, you know, running on the machine. And um, it was just a more relaxed atmosphere for me. I wasn't around other patients, uh, wasn't exposed to, uh, you know, what other patients may be fighting, uh, other illnesses and things like that. It was around the time also that COVID had came into play, uh, you know, really strongly here uh, in the States. And, uh, you know, I just I didn't want to be exposed in center with uh, with the COVID and the way things had uh, been moving quickly with the COVID-19 and how it had came in really quickly. I just I didn't want to catch it. And uh, so that, it, that was one of the other reasons why I switched to uh, home dialysis. So from there, you went on to have a transplant. So tell me about how that came about. Well, I had uh, a mentor tell me that it was going to come at a time that I wasn't thinking about it. And um, that's literally what happened. 
we were going somewhere. I think we were leaving the house to attend some some sort of get together or, or something. And uh, I had gotten a phone call from a friend that I thought, you know, they needed some sort of tech support because I'm into uh, technology and I've done it for quite a long time. And uh, a lot of people would call me from time to time to get like uh, advice on, hey, you know, I need help with my computer, this, that, or the other. So we were we were leaving out the door. So you can imagine I was kind of in a rush and I, I didn't take the phone call. I know that uh, sounds kind of rude, but that's what really that's really what happened. And uh, my wife was like, well, I just got a text from her and I really think you should take the phone call. I, she says it's important. And so I said, OK, fine. So I'll, I'll call her. So I called her back and I said, hey, how's it going? And literally like right away, she's like, hey, um, my my brother is passing away and, and we'd like to know if you would like his kidney. He He's a registered donor and, uh, you know, he's passing away. And uh, just a little bit of backstory. We were friends growing up. So all of our family and uh, and everything, we, we went to church uh, together and, and we attended, you know, family events and different things uh, associated, you know, with knowing each other uh, from church. Uh, so we had known these, this family and, and I'd known this person that, that was passing. I'd, I'd known him for quite a while. And uh, so first of all, it like took me back that they were like telling me that, you know, he was passing away. Um, so it was a bittersweet moment for me because I was sad that he was passing away. But also I was, uh, you know, I was anxious because I was like, man, I, I really could use this kidney because I, I need I need a kidney. And um, so, I, you know, I, I, of course, I, I told her, I said, well, I, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll definitely call you back and let you know. And, and I immediately picked up the phone and I, I called my, my mentor and uh, my mentor told me straight away. He said, hey, uh, he's a registered donor and somebody's going to get this kidney. Uh, so and it's been offered to you and, and you better take it. Uh, the, you know, this is your opportunity. This is this is your chance. And um, so uh, the wait time here in, in San Antonio area is around six to eight years for an old kidney. And so, you know, with that, those statistics and things like that, you know, I was thinking thinking about the advice that he had given me. I said, you know what? I think you're right. I think I better take this kidney. And so I, I called him back and after discussing it with my family and, and everything like that, I, I called him back and said, yes, I'll, I'll take the kidney. And uh, later the uh, hospital called and said, hey, are you aware of the kidney that's being offered? And I said, yes. And they said, OK, be here at 6 a.m. And I think at that point it was like midnight when they had called. And so I didn't get any rest uh, that night at all. I, like I just tossed, turned. I was so anxious and nervous. And we showed up there at like 6 a.m. And, you know, they, they got me prepped and everything. And, um, yeah, they uh, ultimately they ended up flighting the kidney from uh, the state of Kentucky all the way to Texas uh, by, by airplane. And uh, it's considered a, a direct donation. Because uh, they were, since he was a, a registered donor, they were able to uh, direct donate to me. The family uh, was able to make that decision. And so, um, you know, they got the state involved and uh, the state said, okay, fine. They approved and they, they sent the kidney, uh, like I said, by, by way of airplane. And uh, yeah, I ended up ultimately getting the transplant on August the 11th of 2020. And um, yeah, so I'm just a, a few days over uh, celebrating my one year anniversary and uh, everything's been going really well. My labs have been excellent and uh, I've gotten all my strength back. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think I drive, uh, I drive my wife and my kids sometimes crazy with all the extra energy that I have right <laughs> now <laughs> because I, I'm all about exercise now. And uh, you know, now, that's that's another change that I had made that I, I failed to mention is that I implemented uh, walking uh, as part of my regimen uh, when I've when I experienced kidney failure. Uh, you know, I, I, I implemented some sort of form of exercise. So uh, walking became uh, uh, 
my form of exercise. Um, I never was a runner or anything like that. Um, and unless there, there was a really not a great meal in the kitchen or something like that, maybe I would, <laughs> I would run, <laughs> I would run from the, <laughs> run from the couch to the kitchen, to the table. <laughs> but, uh, no, but I implemented exercise. And so then after transplant, that's definitely something that I continued with. And, uh, I've been able to, you know, really grow with uh, my exercising where I'm now walking like three to five miles when I walk. And uh, I ride my mountain bike now and uh, I do that and uh, I'm lifting a little bit weights to try to tone up here and there to try to get a little bit uh, tighter. I'm nowhere near uh, like uh, a movie star or anything like that, but (laughs) maybe one day, maybe one day. But um, but no, it's it's been a a definitely um, it's been a journey. It's been an exciting one. And uh, transplant I can definitely say is the best form of treatment uh, when you're when you're battling kidney failure um, uh, it's it's day and night compared to uh, doing having to do dialysis every day or every other day it's just uh, a completely different lifestyle of course uh, there's some changes that you have to do with medication you have to learn how to take your uh, medications on a regimen you know with the immune suppressant medication and, and all of that but um, you, you learn it, you pick up on it and it's just, it becomes part of you, part of, part of your regimen, uh, as taking, taking medication. So now I take a, a lot of meds versus doing uh, dialysis. And so it's, um, uh, the trade-off for that is, is amazing. And, uh, but, uh, God, God bless my donor and my donor family for uh, direct donating to me. Cause you know, they could have easily just let his organs go to anybody. Uh, but they actually chose to Greg uh, donate to me. So uh, shout out to them and uh, God bless them. Wow, that is so awesome and amazing. I mean, I've spoken about donation and direct donation on the podcast before, but to speak to you as somebody who even before the person had passed, the family were actually considering who those organs could go to and the difference that it's made to your life. I just think that's absolutely amazing. It's so wonderful to hear and, you know, happy kidneyversary. Thank you. And may you have many, 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 more. Thank you. I appreciate that. So in everything that you've learned in terms of your journey, as you said early on in your journey, you were asking a lot of questions about your care and learning and and growing in your knowledge and experience. I know that you've paid this forward in terms of kidney advocacy and gone on to start your own podcast, Hope with Jonathan. So what made you decide to actually start to do the kidney advocacy work and how did the podcast come about? Well, I was on quite a few different shows before um, when, you know, when I experienced kidney failure, I, I had done some podcasts with, uh, with my mentor, uh, Kent's Kidney Stories podcast. And um, that led to uh, uh, doing another podcast on, an, on another show. And uh, that led to doing another one. And I, I just started making different contacts in the kidney community and um, some really, you know, strong, influential uh, people that in the kidney community. And um, I, I don't know, I just found it exciting. And I thought it was a great uh, tool to use for advocacy. And uh, I realized that there wasn't that many platforms. I mean, there was there was a lot of different shows, but this there, there needed to be more. And uh, I felt like that I wanted to be a part of that. And so. Um, you know, my Facebook page when I needed a kidney was hope for Jonathan. And uh, I believe it or not, I was sharing for other people when I when I needed a kidney myself. So I would see different people wow. on um, on Facebook. I would see them. I would see their story and their posts and stuff. And I would share it. I would share it for them as well. And, um, you know, never mind the fact that I needed a kidney. I just felt like, hey, you know, I need to share this, too. You know, they're in the same boat I'm in. And so, you know, and then once I received the kidney uh, transplant, I, I was like, well, hope for Jonathan. This doesn't really need to be hope for Jonathan anymore. And 
I started coming up with ideas for shows and, uh, you know, the, the word hope uh, is so powerful and impactful that I thought, you know what, I'll stick with hope with Jonathan. And, uh, you know, and it, like I said, I changed it from hope for Jonathan to hope with Jonathan. So uh, because I got the kidney transplant. So I thought that the word hope, uh, my mom told me that it could stand for heaven opens possibilities every day. Oh, and, I like that. <laughs> and so, you know, and I am, and my mom's been real impactful in my life. And so I was like, no, that's awesome, mom. So, you know, I took that and that became the concept of the show was I would share for others and help them try to find a kidney by interviewing them and sharing their story. And, um, you know, and then we kind of come up with the concept of, you know, hope with Jonathan. We share stories of hope. And um, the stories in the uh, interviews, uh, I call them stories. They're, they're really uh, real life stories. They're interviews. You know, I've learned that not one of them are, are, are the same. They're, they're much different. And everyone has a, a unique story. Uh, the common theme is, is kidney disease. But, you know, each one of us have sort of a unique story of how we got there. And, um, you know, it's been a an awesome journey and an awesome honor to uh, be able to share these uh, warrior stories. And um, I'm really thankful for the podcast because it, it just helps keep me engaged with my own treatment. I hear stories about, you know, different people, what they're fighting, what they're going through. And, um, you know, it's not that it, you want to compare your story to theirs, but sometimes when I listen to some other people's stories, I'm like, man, there's no way that, you know, that I could have survived that. And I'm taken back by uh, a lot of the stories because I realized that even though I've been through a lot, D, there's so many people out there that have been through so much more than me. And so uh, in a lot of ways, it makes me a lot more grateful, uh, you know, for what I've uh, been able to, you know, get through and uh, experience and uh, a lot more appreciative of, of my kidney and, and all of that. So uh, it's definitely been an amazing journey, and I'm really, really excited about uh, what what's happening with what we're doing. It absolutely helps to put things into perspective when you hear what other people have been through. And like you said, your journey was absolutely tough, and it's not taking away from that. But like you said, it's like when you hear what other people go through, it's like, oh my gosh, I, <laughs> uh -huh. I haven't been through anything in comparison. So it really yeah. does help bring that perspective and and helps ground you to say, you know, I've been through a lot, but it could have been worse or the different things and lessons that you can learn from each person's story. So I absolutely relate to that. And And again, as I mentioned at the beginning, before you even found your kidney, you started the work helping other people to look for a kidney for themselves. And that really does show what a humble and caring guy you are, as I said in the beginning. And I really do mean you are such an amazing person. And that word hope, and I really think it is so important because as I've said before as well, to me, a person without hope is dead already before they've entered the grave. And so for me, hope is so important. And with everything that you have learned from your journey and are still learning, because I know we're, we're continuously learning, what piece of advice, what word of hope can you give to someone who is new in their journey of kidney disease, who might be afraid, not knowing what's going to happen to them? What word of encouragement can you give to them? Just know that it's not a death sentence. So if you get, you know, diagnosed with kidney disease, just know that you can do things to uh, treat it. You can do things to improve uh, your, your, you know, kidney disease. Um, you, you may continuously live with it the rest of your life. Uh, but, you know, if you follow uh, your medical team's advice, you know, they're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to help you. Um, it, it may come off a little bit harsh at first, but, you know, you, you, you'll have to learn how to adapt. But just know that there is hope and you, that you can manage this disease. Uh, there's treatments for it. 
and uh, just know that you you know you need to surround yourself with uh, positive people. Uh, you need to surround yourself with uh, any support that you can get. And if you don't have friends or, or family, you need to reach out to your local community, uh, whether that be church or uh, sometimes it's just a, a group of people outside of your uh, family that, you know, you can you can meet with to talk with, you know, because you're going to need support. Support is crucial uh, when you're battling a chronic illness like kidney disease. And um, just just try to keep a, a PMA, a positive mental attitude. It uh, definitely will will go a, a long way. And um, I try to uh, adapt that quickly. Uh, you know, once I once I got a positive mindset, I felt like that I could battle this kidney disease. And uh, like I said, surround yourself with positive people, and uh, surround yourself with a good, strong support group. Uh, cause once you connect with other people that are battling what you're going through, you're going to, you're going to find a kinship and a, a connection and, uh, you'll utilize those people on days that you, you know, you have tough days and, and battles. Um, you know, like I said, support is just so crucial when you're, when you're battling kidney disease, uh, you don't want to go through it alone, but just know that there is hope and there are treatments. And uh, you, you can improve your, your life with battling kidney disease just by making some changes, like I said, following uh, a renal diet, things like that, and, and taking the advice of your, of your medical team. Thank you. That's amazing advice. Thank you. What myths about kidney disease would you like to debunk? <laughs> well, there's a, you know, myths about donation organ donation uh if i if i give you my kidney then i'll just die you know and i've heard that before <laughs> if if i if i donate you my kidney then i i'm then i'm gonna die and so you know that's that's something that i heard a lot and it's not true at all i mean i'm living with one kidney right now and so you can definitely live uh life with uh, one kidney and uh, you you can live a healthy life, and the statistics show that you know you can be a donor uh, and live a a great life with just just one kidney. And there's many people that have done so. And so uh, that that's one myth in particular that I think needs to be out there for someone that's contemplating possibly thinking about being a donor is that you know that's that's a myth that that people I think often miss you know misunderstand about organ donation for at least for a kidney is that you can definitely live life with one kidney. So uh, definitely do your research, uh, do your due diligence and, uh, you know, know the facts, uh, you know, before you make that decision. And, and um, but always know that keeping the back of your mind that you can live life with one kidney. And uh, so I definitely wanted to share with that on, on that note. That is the one that comes up very often because I think people have the misconception that donation is something that happens after death. A lot of people don't think about living donation. And when they do, as you said, they think, well, if I give my kidney, I'm only going to have 50% function. I'm not going to have quality right. of life, etc. But as you've yeah. rightly said, you can live a full and healthy life with one kidney and yeah. You know, I've interviewed several people that are proof of that. So, yeah, definitely continuously debunking that myth. Right. Yep. Quite often we focus on what kidney disease has taken away from our life. And it's very easy to, to focus on the negative side of things. So I'm going to flip that on its head now. And I'm going to say, what has kidney disease given you? What has this journey done for your life in a positive way that maybe you wouldn't have had you have not had this disease? Well, the kidney disease totally changed my life. And uh, when I had a near-death experience, it, it totally altered my life completely. And um, I would say it changed me for the better. 
And uh, it showed me that I could be an impactful person to help other people. And I really think that that's why uh, God spared me is for me to be able to help other people and share my story. Uh, There's power in sharing your story with other people. And um, I just felt like that God had spared my life to be able to be, uh, you know, impactful and help them share their story and and get the message out about kidney disease. And so if anything, it totally changed my mindset and turned me around uh, completely the way that I was before I was I was still a nice guy and everything. But if you would have told me I would have had a show like Hope with Jonathan, I would have probably laughed at you. Uh, prior to kidney disease and but after kidney disease and and thankfully and gratefully it changed me into uh, a more appreciative uh, more grateful person for life and um, I mean I appreciate my life every day you know and uh, knowing the fact that I'm gonna you know hopefully and God willing I'm gonna continue to see my you know children grow and you know, eventually one day, you know, get married and, and all that stuff, grandchildren and things like that. So every day I'm, I'm more thankful uh, that the experience happened because I think it changed me into a more appreciative person for life and uh, also gave me passion to want to help others. And um, so I'm, I'm actually appreciative for the experience. I'm not I'm not bitter at all about the whole near death experience or anything. It's just it's been a, a life altering experience, a frightening experience. Uh, but also, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And so it just completely changed me uh, for the better. Wow, that is awesome. And again, just your humility just shows straight away through that. So thank you so much for sharing that. One thing that quite often, you know, we as kidney warriors ourselves, isn't just us that is affected by our kidney disease our families and the people around us our loved ones are affected too so what advice would you give to the family member of somebody who is going through the different stages you know whether they're on dialysis or they've had a transplant or been diagnosed what advice would you give to someone's family member or friend of support Well, I would tell them to try to be as understanding as possible. Um, You know, your your family member is going through a a traumatic event in life, uh, a change in life, uh, you know, and kidney disease not only affects them, but it's going to affect the whole family. And so be patient with them. And uh, on, on the flip side of that, also try to learn as much as you can about the disease so that you can get a better understanding about what your family member is going through. And uh, because, you know, there's going to be some medical terms that they're going to pick up that you're not going to understand. And so it's probably best for you to go ahead and do your research and start, you know, uh, Google will be your friend. You start searching, you know, kidney disease and dialysis (laughs) and and all this stuff. And and you'll, you'll you'll get some education on it really quickly. And, um, you know, and so, but, uh, I would say the, the most important thing would be to, is to show them love and compassion and, uh, be patient with them because they're, they're going through a change and, uh, it's going to be a journey for them. And so definitely learn as much as you can and, and always try to be positive around that person because they're going to need as much encouragement as, as they can get. So that would be the advice that I would, I would give a family member. Thank you. So how can the listeners connect with you online and your podcast? Well, I actually built a website, uh, www.hopewithjonathan.com. And uh, from there, they can pretty much follow us uh, on all of our social media platforms. Uh, They can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, They can actually listen to podcast episodes or watch the live interviews. They can do all right from the website so that would probably probably be the best location for them to go and uh they they can go over there and and uh, find out more information about hope with jonathan what we're all about so definitely if you get a chance go check out the website and i know that you're also on um, the rest of social media instagram facebook as well oh yeah tiktok oh yeah 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a avid social media person. So uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty much if there's a, a popular platform, I'm, I'm pretty much on it. Um, so I do a little bit of dancing on TikTok, but <laughs> not, not really, not really, but, uh, just trying to, uh, raise as much awareness as I can. And, um, you know, I mainly, I mainly use it for marketing for the, uh, for the, for the interviews. I, I try to push, push as much as I can for, for my interviews and things like that. And so, and, uh, but no, definitely on, uh, most of your popular platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, right now, TikTok. So, uh, so if, if you're looking for me, you can find me across the board at, at Hope with Jonathan or, uh, Jonathan trailer. So. Thank you. Do you have a final word for the listeners? My final word for the listeners would be to hang on to hope and, uh, hope, hope is a powerful word. And uh, always hang on to hope and uh, never let hope uh, slip out of your hand uh, because hope is such a powerful word and a powerful, powerful thing to believe in. I, I relate it with faith. You know, hope and faith to me are, are kind of the same thing. And, and uh, but uh, I think hope is, is a little bit more of a, of a stronger word. And uh, but uh, I, I have a lot of faith. And so uh, I relate I relate that word hope uh, with with Christ as well and uh, belief in belief in in, in Christ. And so uh, but but hang hang on to hope, man. It, sometimes that's that's all you have is is uh, is hope and and belief. And, and like you had mentioned before, is without it, you know, you, you're virtually virtually dead, you know, without without believing in something. And so uh, just believe in the power of hope and, and never, never let it slip out of your hands. Just always try to stay as positive as possible and and just hang on to hope. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing such amazing advice for sharing your story. And I know that this will encourage so many people. Thank you so much, Jonathan. No, I really appreciate the opportunity, D, and uh, I really appreciate what you're doing also in the kidney community. It's, it's amazing. Your podcast is amazing. So I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.